Guitar Villains is brought to you by American Musical Supply. Just visit AmericanMusical.com for your unique coupon code. This is just for listeners of Guitar Villains. Anything you need, whether it's picks, guitar strings, cables, a capo, all those small little accessories, all the way up to the big stuff like a new guitar, an amp, all the gear you could ever want is at American Musical Supply. They also have no interest financing, so you can play now, pay later. Use the link in the description for your coupon code to use on your next gear purchase. Thanks to American Musical Supply for sponsoring Guitar Villains. Now let's get to the show. Hello and welcome to episode six, season two of Guitar Villains. Today's guitar villain is Mark Lettieri. He has his own solo project. He's also the guitar player in Snarky Puppy. He's a composer. He's a funk freak. Oh, I think I just spit. It's just that's funky. Everything about this episode is funky. I actually asked Mark to take part in a little collaboration that you may have already seen. 15 focus points of funk guitar playing. And the dude is just super nice and really an amazing guitar player. We're going to talk about all things guitar, his brand new signature PRS, the Fiore. And I really just don't want to let anything else out of the bag. There's so much valuable information in this conversation. So without further ado, guitar villains Mark Lettieri. Welcome to Guitar Villains, the show where we deconstruct and decode the guitar. And Mark, you are fresh off laying down an absolutely filthy, funky, fantastic, fresh, fiery, fabulous <laughs> Fiore. Hey. <laughs> uh, just trying to get my alliteration in there. Uh, I like it. Wonderful groove licks on a, a track that we worked on that I sent over to you. And it was just delightful. Thanks for doing that. Yeah, my pleasure. That was funky. I thought, uh, I don't know, throw some, I'll throw a B section on it. Yeah, by cool. the time uh, people are hearing or viewing this podcast, that video, I've broken that out into its own separate video as promotion oh, wow. for okay. our chat today. Cool. Um, and I think the video is going to be called 15 Focus Points of Funk. Wow. Hence the alliteration. I like it. A lot of F words, we're, but we're, not we're, that one. Yeah, yeah, not that one. Maybe maybe I'll throw it in at the very end of the video so YouTube's kind <laughs> to us. Um, right. Anyway, that that's going to draw a bit from our conversation today uh, to fill out some of that video. But I wanted to mention, I noticed, and I can see right now, I, I noticed you have about one billion lanyards uh, hanging on your on your door there. I can't bring myself to throw them away. <laughs> well, the, no, I'm not. I'm not knocking out. You obviously collect them from shows that you play or, or go to, and right, I do yeah. the exact same thing. Uh, so I feel like we're on the same wavelength. A lot of people, I think, throw them away or get rid of them. I keep all mine as well. So maybe we're on the the same uh, kindred spirit level of nostalgia and other certain intangibles. Yeah. Well, every now and then when I open that door, it's fun to be like, oh, man, I remember this festival or I remember this Nam show. I still have like Nam badges hanging on there, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. Just a thing. Yeah. I keep them. Well, I totally get it. So we do, yeah. we do things a little differently on this show. We'll play some games. I'm going to try and get to the bottom mm. of what makes you tick as a musician. Right. And uh, hopefully you'll have a great time. And next time you're All through right. Nashville, we can do this in person. Awesome. So the show is called Guitar Villains because I think villains are just as cool, if not cooler than heroes. I think they're more deeper and memorable. Uh, And the first thing I want to ask you is, out of all the movie or comic book villains out there, who would you say you identify with the most? This could be simple as a character trait or appearance or whatever you think, if any at all. Does anybody come to mind? Wow. Villains, huh? villains man that's a tough one and um, I, ha- I have an answer well, for you if, if you don't have one but but you seem like you might have something i'm thinking i mean i like and i've i think i've mentioned this before when someone asked me what my favorite like action movie was but like i'm a big terminator junkie Ooh. 
And I mean, the first, now I don't think I resemble Arnold at all, but, <laughs> and, and I don't think I'm as methodical of a robotic thing as the T1, the T800, but, uh, that might be my favorite villain. That's pretty uh, at good. least my favorite one. I don't know if it, if I, if it, I don't think I resemble him at all. I would have to be lifting a lot more weights probably, but, um, yeah, I don't know, man. So but, you're going yeah. T1, not T2. Arnold's evil in T1, which right. is weird he, for me because yeah. I saw T2 first, so I never knew him as the bad guy off the bat. My impression was he was good, and then I saw T1, and I was like, wait a minute. My mind right. yeah. going on. It was the same for me, though. I think I saw the second one first yeah, and then saw the first one. Um, man, yeah, what other villains? I, I don't know which... <laughs> I mean, people have said I looked like like I get Orlando Bloom a lot, but I don't think he's ever played a bad guy in any movie. Yeah. <laughs> so that wouldn't really work. Yeah, he had like some devious moments in Lord of the Rings, but I think he's always been a good guy. Yeah, My, he's also blonde in that film right, too. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, I uh, it's funny you mentioned your appearance because my my choice for you was Doc, okay. Doctor Doom. And okay. uh, who's that? Dr. Doom. <laughs> <laughs> see, there's now. Yeah. See, you're like, oh, it'll make Mark's lame. <laughs> it'll make, no, no, no. Nobody ever gets like, I, I go, this is a weird segment. This is how the podcast started. I was like guitar heroes or guitar villains. And then anyway, I just go with it. But Dr. Doom is from the fantastic four, uh, universe. So okay, he's like a, a villain towards them. But before he was scarred from this terrible accident, happened in space he uh which forced him to wear an iron mask uh, uh yes. to cover up his face he is a very you know he's a good looking guy had the dark handsome thing going on i think you have a little bit of that going okay. on too dude congratulations Thanks. i'll take it <laughs> yeah and the thing about dr doom not only is he one of the most brilliant minds on planet earth he's also a sorcerer with skills and magic that rival even the most powerful beings in the universe and that's kind of like you, Mark. You you seem like a sharp guy and maybe one of the most powerful and versatile guitar players out there. Well, I don't know about all that, but uh, I'm going to have to look up this Dr. Doom guy. Yeah. Now, yeah, this might be a okay, nice alter ego, maybe a stage, stage wear thing that we, yeah, that we yeah. put out. Well, it's true, man. Like, I, I know thank you, you, though. you have an affinity for maybe cleaner tone stuff and funk neo soul r&b realm but i've seen you shred and i know you rock out uh and you seem to have a great repertoire of music in your pocket and speaking of pocket your rhythmic pocket is as deep as they come and dr doom his Mm. pockets are pretty deep in another way he's one of the richest men in the world so there Ah. you have it the guitar equivalent of you is dr doom oh right on man thanks i'll take it i wonder if i can trade funk pocket for money pocket <laughs> yeah <laughs> i don't that? know I yeah don't know you can't take it with you on, though but you can't take right. you can't take either with I, I like i like the funk pocket just as much all right we'll keep it thanks man that's very kind of course so first things first man i want to sh- i want to throw you a couple softball lobs i call this segment burning questions oh boy. soundbite that's awesome <laughs> that's got great. that right yeah dude (laughs) these are rapid fire questions that don't totally matter but for some reason as guitar players we must know these things what gauge pick do you use one millimeter great what gauge strings do you use i use anything from nine and a halfs to 14s depending on what guitar i'm playing wow okay yeah what is your number one guitar currently it is my prs fiore that we built and launched we recently. Will, we will be talking about that instrument. Okay. What All is right. your favorite amp currently? Ah, um, I actually can't even tell you what it is. Oh, what's your it second favorite a, amp then? Um, that you can tell it's us. One of, yeah, it's one of these two. There's a pure 64, uh, mm-hmm. which is a small builder out of upstate New York. Makes a really great 6L6 uh, platform that I use on a lot of my Tradition, more traditional sounding records. Uh, there's Nailer Dual 60 over here, which is another really cool boutique rig. And so I like to bring those uh, when I do my records and stuff like that. Sick. Final so, question. Yeah. Uh, what okay. is your favorite guitar pedal currently? Oh, 
trying to think the last thing I stepped on. Um, <laughs> the J rocket audio makes a really cool overdrive called the HRM, which is a really cool, like kind of high gain, a little bit compressed. I don't know if it's related to the dude pedal, which is another one of my favorites of theirs. It may be, but, uh, I've been using it a lot. It's really cool. The HRM. Yeah. Right on. We're going to move yeah. on to a okay. game I call Name Those Notes. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I don't have perfect pitch. <laughs> <laughs> you don't need perfect pitch for this game. The concept is it's actually pretty easy. I'll play you a quick sequence of guitar notes, but they're from songs that you have recorded over the years. Oh, wow. So you have to tell me what song it is you're hearing, and uh-huh. we're going to see how well you know your own guitar playing in your catalog okay and we'll start with something easy that i think you'll get and we shall <laughs> move fail on. on these this is gonna be really bad <laughs> you know everybody says the same thing oh geez all right here we'll we go find out what happens here's the first batch of notes that's a live recording Indeed. So that's your that's you're throwing me a curveball. That's a I probably a snarky puppy gig. My might be doing an intro to flood. Maybe that's exactly what it is. All right. <laughs> Boom. Yes. You hit the curve. Out you of the made park. your pentatonic on that gig. It's probably one of those one of that. Those yeah. Intros. You yeah. you uh, you do this really lovely thing uh, with the whammy bar in that particular. I mean, and all it's all over your playing, but in that particular instance you play uh for for example a major chord and then you dive the bar and while the strings are flopping on the fretboard you move your chord shape to become minor and pull it back up and it blooms oh cool this. Uh, nice yeah you, you you have a tendency to do that it's a really neat trick that i haven't seen before Thanks. so i think i got that from watching a phil keegi do it ah uh, he did it it was really cool. He plays like a suspended 13th chord and then puts the bar down and then spreads his hands out to a major nine chord. It's like really awesome. I and have so a, I, I kind of took that and started doing my thing with it. This so. is, this is an example for the listeners here. Oh yeah. Oh, okay. Well, that was a little gospel move. Yeah. I, I probably got from, from many different sources, but yeah, with the bar, it's cool. It's like a, I don't know, maybe it sounds like a lap steel or a mm-hmm. uh, pitch wheel on a keyboard or something like that. So yeah, I feel like anytime anybody does bar moves like that, uh, guitar players are like Jeff Beck. Sure. <laughs> well, <laughs> he's definitely thing. one of my hugest influences, but um, a lot of that chordal stuff I probably got from like Jonathan Dubose, who's a, another great gospel player. That's really great with whammy cording. Cool. So yeah, I like it. All right. So we got that one passed. Passed with flying colors. Here Sweet. we go. Next group of notes. I know that one. Yeah. That's point is from yes, things of that nature released in 2019 on ground up records music ground up music oh geez let me mess up the label name ground up music. yeah man the, uh, <laughs> the crazy thing about this tune uh is that it's almost a guitar solo the entire time but it never really gets into that selfish world that guitar solos can sometimes inhabit hmm. like it, i think it's a testament to like your attention to the rest of the musicians around you and the, the composition process itself. I really like Thanks, that, that tune. Yeah. It's just uh it's, it's really just two. It's two versions. Well, it's like a couple versions of the same melodic idea. So it's a melody mm-hmm. with embellishments kind of the same way that you would maybe change lyrics around in a story. Uh, you know, so that's, that's kind of how I look at melodies sometimes is, is maybe, you know, there's certain aspects you can you can alter them to where they still have meaning, but it's almost like you're writing just different words that are saying a slightly different version of the same idea. So, um, yeah, that's how I it starts in G, plays the melody twice, and then it modulates to C. But each time it's a little bit different. So maybe that's why it feels like it's one long. Yeah, thing. that's cool, man. Yeah, thanks. And I hear uh, we we touched on a few of your influences already. I hear in that piece 
there's a, a little bit of uh like wayne krantz mixed Probably, with sure. like some charlie hunter maybe yeah like, as far as totally. the voicings um, yeah it's it's really it's hard to do that like m- chord melody type playing mm-hmm. is that something that you've always been drawn toward or uh i mean as far as i'm exposed to your playing i've always seen you kind of having at least a couple notes going at once you know for sure for for more more than more than most guitar players i would say right on um yeah i think it was something that i noticed was a, a a part of my sound and kind of a comfortable way to express myself especially compositionally um you know and i can't i can't say that like i can play all of my music as like solo guitar pieces but some of them you kind of could potentially because they were sort of written that way and then i spread the voicing around between amongst the band um so uh you know a lot of the way that i just sort of sit here and write i'm playing chord melodies and then i'm like okay let's take the chord out give it to the keyboard player whatever i'll just play the melody bottom note can go to the bass the bass player but yeah they're kind of arranged to be chord melodies in a sense yeah do you notate a lot of your compositions or does it all come out on the fretboard and kind of comes no, together in the band? I, yeah, I just, I just record it and demo it. Um, and then, uh, usually we'll, maybe we'll notate it after the fact if, if we're going to do some charting or something for, for whatever it, it will be. But yeah, it's really all just kind of by ear, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. All right. Next group of notes. And okay. We're getting a little bit more. Give me a weird one. Uh, or a hard one you want a weird one here we go well i don't know okay good what (laughs) well that's not even me (laughs) but i wish it was dang it (laughs) that's that's luke man yeah man Uh, well that and you can tell by the first note yeah that's why i was like like, that's perfect you asked her something weird like out of context that's uh it's hilarious how you can still tell um that's that's he sent me that solo and i plopped it into that i was just like Oh, dude, like just the first note just cuts your brain in half. Did you listen to it without the music and just be like, whoa, what? Wait, what? (laughs) Yeah, I did. And it's, you know, and it's great because it still grooves and like has feel and pocket and and it's all there. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, wow, I'm in possession of of a Steve Lukather guitar solo. Like, (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I want I got to give context for the for the rest of that lick just so everybody can be satiated here there's the resolution (laughs) so sauce it's like sass it sounds steve man it's like there's so much attitude and sarcasm and steve in it (laughs) absolutely so that that song is called star catchers from uh your latest effort, which we're going to get into a lot more, but I don't want to sell you short because that chorus that you play, I'm assuming it has to be you. I mean, unless I'm, yeah, I I might look like an idiot right now, but I'm pretty sure this is you, but I I want people to hear this too, because it's been stuck in my head. I listened to this this weekend. I really love the the anticipation in the melodic rhythm. Cool. Going Thanks, up there. Man. It's great. So uh one more group of notes here. Okay. And I've never done this on the show. Uh oh. But I'm only gonna give you one note. Oh. So we'll see. All right. Here it is. Okay. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay, now look. That's the beginning of track three, Pulsar. And the only reason I remember that is because I've been listening to these songs like, you know, mix after. And we didn't even do that many mix references. Maxwell killed it pretty, pretty often. But um, that one, I pounded into my brain just because we're starting to play these tunes live now. And so um, definitely remember that tone and that note. (laughs) I got to play it again. Here we go. Yeah. I think the, you know what you need to do. That should be your notification if I text you. Yeah, <laughs> Dirk. Oh, it's Latiri. All right. I'm gonna do that now. Yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah, I had to. Um, I had to include those last two batches of notes from the same record. Your latest uh, deep 
the baritone sessions volume two just to illustrate the the variety of tones because you might not have known from the first uh the luke at their solo that it was a baritone centric album sure. um seriously awesome work on that album i i Thanks, uh dude. are are you like the the premier baritone guy in the world is that what's happening <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have not bestowed that mantle upon myself, but, um, you know, it's interesting. I, uh, it's cause it's sort of an untapped resource in guitar. I mean, it, yeah. I, I mean, well, people use them all the time, but, uh, I figured why not put it in the front and make it play groove music? <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> so. well, how, so explain to me how, is baritone guitar different from regular guitar? I'm you've probably been asked this a million times, but no, like I, right. I'm a guitarist picking it up for the first time. I imagine it's like when you pick up a bass in your guitar player, you can still sound like a guitar player, like not in a good way. Um, so, <laughs> so what are some strategies like that would differ from guitar? Well, I think the strategies come more in the creation of the parts and the arrangement of how you're going to fit it into the music because it is a pretty specific sound that takes up a lot of mid-range a lot of low mids uh so when you're writing parts for it you just have to kind of keep in mind that that is a, it's a very dominant sound in the mix yeah and so that's one of the things that i do focus on when i'm putting these records together is how to let it sit there so that it speaks and get the attention it deserves but doesn't sort of like crowd the space so that the other instruments don't have you know room um but when you're playing it i mean it i think it it, it is sort of like playing a bass they're long, it's a longer scale um the strings are huge you know when i was saying i use 14 gauge strings that's what i use on the baritones and so be prepared to not be able to really maybe solo the way that you normally would or bend the strings um but just sort of embrace the sound of it and you know get weird as they like to say and so I found that it was just a great instrument to play funk on. And I, I, you know, kind of stumbling upon that however many years ago it was, maybe five years at this point, was just like a light bulb went off. I was like, why haven't I heard this before? Why haven't I done this before? Like, this is, this is cool. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do this. Let's make this a thing. It's really fresh. It almost sounds uh, like a keyboard sometimes like a sure. like a, a mono synth but it has yeah. the attack and articulation of like a picked bass exactly and, and yet some elements of guitar like i can't cite exact moments but i'm sure there's points where you go pretty far up the neck uh do you find you, that you like favor certain areas of the baritone neck mm. i mean i generally will will stay well below the the 12th fret okay uh just because because after that it's it sort of ceases being a baritone or it ceases right. uh expressing itself in the way that a baritone w was intended to do um so most of i mean i shouldn't say most of but you know mo a lot of the riffs are written probably below the ninth fret mm -hmm. i mean may maybe most are around the seventh fret even um if i can use open strings i do right Mm -hmm. uh, and then, you know, occasionally I will stack parts that maybe are in a higher register just for effect, but the meat of those grooves that you hear, I'm, I'm using the lower end of the guitar. And how do you coordinate bass guitar in mm -hmm. that? Like, is there very carefully, <laughs> <laughs> like how much lower, I guess I'm asking like, cause what is the baritone down to B? Is it a B? It could be B. It could be A. Um, really all the sort of shorter scale ones I, I use are tuned to B and then the more traditional longer scale are tuned to A and then occasionally I'll drop the six string again to G. Uh -oh. Um, so what I do like, um, a song like star catchers, for example, that's in B and the, it's really kind of a traditional guitar part. It's just tuned down and, Wes, the bass player on that, really kind of rode the low B. So he's really the lowest thing in the mix. And he's just playing a really, really deep shuffle groove and then some really cool slap bass stuff. So it doesn't really uh, clash with the guitar much at all. Um, and then on other tunes, like Pulsar, for example, the majority of the bass on that song is a synth. Oh. And so that's something that I'll do a lot of is just use a synth bass. 
cool. Uh, yeah, because then you can get really low if you want. Like a song like Red Dwarf almost, the bass is more like felt than it is heard. And that's <laughs> yeah. kind of by design. It's like sort of like a dance track, you know. I mean, dance tracks as far as I write dance tracks. But yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so I use keyboard bass a lot. And then, you know, sometimes you just have a cool unison line that everybody plays and it just feels really big and, and powerful between the bass and the baritone. Yeah, that um, one of my favorite, I don't know who wrote the song, but uh, one of the videos, I think maybe the first time I ever saw your face was in a, yeah. a snarky puppy YouTube video. Uh, something, uh, something between it. What the, what the hell is the song I'm thinking of? the the woman is an amazing um, singer i'm pretty uh, sure you want to hathaway yeah 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 hathaway she uh she does the uh like the the three co- three note chord sure. with her voice yeah um right. anyway that groove i'll, I'll put mm-hmm. it in here and, and people don't have to listen to my but uh yeah that that kind of reminds me of where, where everybody kind of comes together because a lot of the music that i've seen you and heard you play that's like one of the high points in a lot of the compositions is where there's a lot kind of going on here and there mm-hmm. everybody's kind of filling out their own register and then when everybody comes together it's like this glorious moment um, yeah. but I think being again to use the word strategic in where those things happen is the sign of strong writing have you focused on songwriting for your entire musical life or is it did you take the traditional path of learning metallica and Jimi hendrix and led zeppelin like <laughs> i did and, and did well no i definitely did a lot of that i mean <laughs> for sure i i was always learning and always writing i mean i think i wrote my first instrumental guitar song when i was maybe 14 or 15 yeah um and that that i mean really man like as soon as i learned chords on the guitar i, I was trying to write stuff it just seemed like the most the best use of knowledge you know, like, mm-hmm. Hey, I can, I can play this thing now. Let's, let's make my sounds with it. See what that is. Uh, and so, but the instrumental thing is, has always been my voice for forever. I mean, I've, I've been in bands where I've written with singers and, and I love doing that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, lately the, really the focus of over the last 10, 12 years has just been getting my, you know, my instrumental writing chops together. <laughs> cool. Well, it seems like it's going well. Um, oh, so we've, we've talked about baritone guitar a lot. Yeah. Uh, kind of burying the lead here. You have a, uh, <laughs> you also play this, uh, this traditional guitar instrument, the regular guitar, or is, is yeah. the guys in the, the flyers call it small guitar, small guitar, <laughs> baby bass or, or whatever you want to say. Right. Yeah. Um, your your uh, your brand new signature PRS guitar, hot off the press, the Fiore. Yeah, um, really cool name. Thank uh, you. When I saw the announcement for it, I think I was on the virtual PRS event that like replaced their NAM booth this year. Right, I guess. Yeah. Uh, it was really exciting to see your guitar, dude. <clears throat> it, it looks awesome, and it obviously sounds great, and it's a new tonal offering i would say than what prs has put out there before i think Um, so what was the process like developing this thing with paul and the team take me through like Mm -hmm. from conception to launch day sure well i've been playing their guitars for a while doing the i have playing their 594s Mm -hmm. and around maybe i don't know october it was october november something of last of 2019 wait a minute yes 2019 uh we were just talking about whatever and they said hey would you be interested in like you know what if we what if we were your guitar builders i think was the was the way that it was phrased and i was like well what do you mean like well let's design design something man like let's make you your thing and i kind of like took a couple steps back because it's not a question you hear often you know um and then i was like okay, what does that mean? And they said, we'll come up here and, you know, we'll figure it out. <laughs> and so that was really how it started. And, um, you know, they knew what I liked. They knew the sounds that were in my head and kind of what we needed to do to, to get those out and to, to have a guitar that enabled me to grow, you know, and, and, and keep pursuing those sounds and not really feel limited or anything. And not that I was feeling that way with, with whatever gear I had, but, you know, when you're putting together a guitar like that, like, 
you learn a lot about yourself and you learn a lot about maybe what other people are going to want <laughs> or right, not right. want, you know, because it is a product, right? Sure. Um, and so we definitely took, took a lot of people's thoughts into consideration and, and just came up with something that we felt not only spoke to me, but could potentially speak to a lot of different kinds of players. And that, and that was important. I wanted to have a, um, a signature model that can, can be anybody's guitar, you know? What were some so. of the things that were like must haves for you? And then what were some of the things that you mm-hmm. didn't not, not needing to be convinced about, but like, Oh yeah, I could see how other people would like that. Hmm. Um, what did we do? Well, I mean, I, I've been playing like a, I've used swamp ash guitars with maple necks for a, a while. And so that was, that's been a part of my sound. And, um, <clears throat> Of course, we went with a 25 and a half inch scale, which I know is not right. traditionally a PRS thing, even though there are a couple guitars that do have that. Um, and so, you know, Paul, uh, what I liked about it is that he wasn't trying to change me at all, you know, but um, we sort of just did what I are, you know, kind of took the sounds in my head and, and PRS them. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's a, that is so a verb. I, I can attest to that. PRS yeah. it. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it was a really pretty interesting process and we did the whole two post trim thing, uh, which, you know, with those tremolos, you can do certain things that you can't really do with a six screw trim. And so I said, can we try to do this? And they said, yeah, let's see if, you know, and I was totally open to having it not work. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, there, all of the ideas that we put in, if they just weren't going to happen sonically or even production wise, you know, it was, I was totally okay with, with changing around, but, but we made all of it work. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was really special. Yeah. What about, uh, just for anyone who may not quite understand the, the trem differences mm-hmm. between the six and the three, what, what, what did the, what are the different things that you can do? Well, the way, I mean, I think on a traditional PRS, you can pull up and pull down and you can do that on this one too, but there's a certain kind of flutter thing mm-hmm. that like Jeff Beck does, for example, um, and that I would do on, on my other guitars. And I said, well, you know, I have songs that have that in there, so I, I need yeah. to be able to do that. And so, um, that was really kind of fun because we went back and forth with like different sizes of the, of the bar and where to put it. And, does the tip need to be really heavy or does it not? Or, um, and we ended up with this trim. That's really cool. I mean, it's this, this steel thing and it's super solid and stays in tune. Great, great resonance and sustain and everything. And just looks like a workhorse guitar. You know I mean? Like it looks like something that you want to play and not hang on a wall all the time. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> you know, you also mentioned you've been playing swamp ash maple combo for a while. Yeah. Sure. Are you telling me that the type of wood affects the tone of the guitar? I think it probably does. Yes. <laughs> I mean, you know. Oh, you cut out a little bit. Hang on one second. Oh, there you're back. You're back. Okay, that was weird. I wonder if. The tone wood huh. gods were descending upon you. I know. They were like, don't <laughs> say something dumb. And now I'm going to probably say something dumb. No. Um, yeah, I, I do hear a difference. You know, I think. <laughs> maybe people think I'm crazy or something, but, um, you know, my beloved blue Don Grosh is, is the, is the, uh, is swamp ash and maple neck. And so, um, I got really used to that sound and kind of understood like, oh, you know, my fingers really like this combination. Um, and I think, uh, so that's what we did. So we, we carried that over to the Fiore and, and, you know, my fingers are happy with that, <laughs> with that wood choice. I think swamp ash reacts like you get a, I don't know. There's not as much mids maybe. Hmm. Um, at least I can sort of think that I hear that. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. It's I don't like, know. Are you a, like a, is it all in the pickups kind of guy or no, no, I, I am. Oh, I, I've been in the wood library with Paul and him yeah. knocking on pieces he, of wood in my face. Right. So yeah, I, there, uh, we did a lot of that and <laughs> there was a lot of banging on woods. Yes. Of, you know, and, and yeah, you can, I think you can kind of hear the difference. It's not necessarily like one's better than the other. They just have yeah. their own thing. And so, um, yeah, I think this for the way that I like the sound of a single, like the single coil sound in my head comes from swamp ash's help. <laughs> okay. <laughs> if that makes sense. No, you know? it does. Yeah. yeah. I associate certain, like if you think about, uh, 
a heavier guitar, for example. Yeah. Uh, like an old Les Paul that's real heavy. Right. Does that constitute a chunky tone or does it not? I think it right. does. And that's the volume of wood affecting tone. So why wouldn't the type of wood affect tone? Mm. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And, and of course, you know, this is what's kind of great about working with Paul because he's such a scientist with all this kind of stuff. And, but yeah, I mean, the ways everything, the way everything vibrates is going to come through the pickup. And so right. you know, it's got to vibrate the way you want, you know? Definitely. So, uh, you, you've played a lot of live music over the years. Would you say that's true? Yes. <laughs> All over the world too. <clears throat> yeah. I've been to some places. Yeah. With, with like your trio or fearless flyers or snarky puppy, many other groups and mm-hmm. collaborations, yeah. I'm sure. My question is what is the weirdest or most strange thing that's happened to you on the road not the not the coolest thing not (laughs) not the worst thing what is the weirdest most odd thing you can think of Mm, there was an interesting uh dilemma (laughs) with a lost passport on a gig in russia and the way that the passport was returned by the cab driver where there was potential for extortion and serious uh, security guard intervention. (laughs) And I'll just leave it at that. (laughs) Was there vodka involved? No, um, there wasn't. But I guess maybe there could have been, depending on the way things had, had gone, but the passport was returned. No one was harmed. <laughs> and everything was good. But for a second there, I wasn't really sure. I felt like maybe I was in a weird bond film or something. You yeah. Know? There's yeah. probably rushes on the short list of places. You don't want to get trapped without a passport, I guess. I mean, we had a really good time there. I, we were in Moscow and it was great. Um, but yeah, you know, it was interesting. <laughs> you, you could end up in like Siberia if you, look the wrong guy in the eye maybe the i don't way. know it was cold that's for sure <laughs> it was like november i think but it was years ago yeah but yeah our guy got his passport back nobody had to pay any money good and, uh, good yeah no one got beat up <laughs> i'm glad no fingers were broken or anything like yeah that. right so what is something that uh if, you, if you've been doing interviews for a while what's something that nobody ever asks you but they wish you wish they would ask you <laughs> um i don't know uh oh man i like talking about beer <laughs> oh let's go I'm, i mean I, I lived in Asheville, north carolina for oh, uh, yeah for seven years up there um most most breweries per capita in the united states that's incredible what uh what's your beer of choice well i've been kind of going i have a friend that the bartends at a, at a place here in Fort Worth called McFly's and it's like a, it's exactly what it sounds like. It's a back to the future themed <laughs> bar. That's cool. uh, and they have a couple different German things on, I think they had a Spaten, which cool. is a pretty common beer. I mean, it's, you know, it's very common, but I like, I've been getting into the German things. It's just a good beer. It's like, this is what beer is supposed to taste like. Have you, you travel so but, much. I'll Sorry. interrupt you. Keep going. Keep going. <laughs> I also had something uh, the same night called a Devil's Backbone, which is really good. It's like a Belgian triple, but oh. it's made here in the states. I I recognize oh. that name. I can't recall the brewery. Um, um, Real Ale, maybe. Sounds familiar. H- have you been to an Oktoberfest before in Germany? No, uh, we were gonna go. Kind of, bef- me and my friends were gonna go, but you know, pandemic, and so that didn't happen. But it's that's on the bucket list. Highly recommend. Sure. Yeah, I bet. Uh, my, my, I went with my wife about three years ago and there's just huge tents that you go into and it's just mayhem, but everybody's so nice. And, yeah. uh, we actually met a couple Germans who spoke English and like took us under their wing. And, uh, another fun, a little aside, the beer ladies, it's, I, as far as I saw, it was just ladies carrying literally, I'm not even joking, like 20 Steins. I don't know how they do it. And they weren't like big jacked, like 
ladies. They were they were small women and yeah. just carrying these things around. It must some leverage that they have going on. Uh, <laughs> didn't seem to be spilling any. And uh, yeah, I, I look forward to going back again. Definitely. All right, Beth. I gotta go. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm kind of an IPA West Coast IPA person. Really? Yeah. I had to kind of give I IPAs were like a big deal when in sort of like the earlier days of the snarky touring. And I think everyone had so many of them now that we're just like, I, if I have another IPA, I feel like I'm eating potpourri. Like, dude, trust (laughs) me. But I respect that you love them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I can't acquired taste. I can't have too many, but, um, yeah, West coast IPA, I think probably the best one out there is called the freak of nature by wicked weed. Okay. Uh, It's a double IPA. And uh, I like I like the West Coast versus New England hazy IPAs. I feel like those are a little bit, I don't know, not quite as friendly to the palate as. Dog, I like the Dogfish IPAs. Oh yeah, sixty and ninety minute. Yeah, which is East Coast, but um, right, those are more drinkable to for, to me. I think than some of the ones that you know they, they smells like Old Spice. <laughs> well, you would like you would like the uh, the freak because okay. the brewers, the Wicked Weed Brewers, actually uh, were f- of Dogfish Head, and they broke out and formed their own oh. brewery, and then it blew up, and they were purchased by Anheuser Busch. So oh, they oh. did well for themselves. But, yeah. Well, but, cool. So check that out Sweet, if you ever. Uh, I'm sure it, it might even get down there to Texas where you are. I'm sure they have it. They we have. There's a market here that has all kinds of crazy stuff. So cool. Sweet. So uh, what is something that you've learned most recently? Hmm. As far as music is concerned, or just anything in general. Um, what is something that I've learned? Um. Oh man, dude, you ask the hard questions. Do all your guests just sit here and go like, Oh man. Uh, and yeah, then they, they stall. All, by the end of this, they're like, drops. I'm not talking to this guy ever again. No, 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 <laughs> this is good. Uh, well, I'm constantly learning how to pick battles with a, with a almost four year old. You know, I know I talk about my kid a lot, but that's kind of where a lot of my attention is these days. So I heard, uh, in the video, <clears throat> the raw footage that you sent me for, uh, your takes, there was, uh-huh. I heard some chatter in the background. Someone yelling. It's quite possible. You didn't, you didn't hear it, but I heard it. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's just a din, a constant din now. It's, so it's like. <laughs> do, do your, does your child ever come in and like touch on your guitars and be like, what the hell? All are these? the time. Yeah. Usually with this particular microphone, every time I plug it in, it buzzes because something has been knocked internally. Uh-huh. And so I have to like screw it back together. I should just get another one. But. Um, so yeah, I feel like I also probably learned some interesting facts. Oh, well, we're, <laughs> we're raising butterflies. That's cool. What? Yeah. Okay. So that's one of the family projects right now is we have like a butterfly little, um, it's kind of like a tent and they, and you, you get the worms and they live in this jar and then you take, once they turn into the, the pupa and they, you know, the chrysalis, whatever it's called. And then you take the jar out, put it in this tent and now the butterflies are, blooming so i learned uh if you ever see them the larvae shaking it's because they that's their defense mechanism and that's what they do when they're threatened um so so yeah we were moving the jar and all of a sudden they started shaking and we're just like oh my god we've killed them you know (laughs) so um, how many butterflies are we talking we're gonna have five okay there's gonna be five and yeah it's interesting you'll get they eat like we feed them watermelon (laughs) which is pretty cool uh, watermelon and oranges and in the tent you'll see these little like blotches of red and they're monarch butterflies and so i guess when they're learning to open their wings and stuff that's the excess color from their wing color that gets sort of like flung around the cage so that i guess i am learning some things that, that i <laughs> didn't butterflies. i didn't know people raise butterflies yeah you can get them in like a kit it's cool it comes with five <laughs> worms and like worm food and it's Is this like easy. an amazon thing or you gotta go somewhere I don't know. else we got it from yeah probably just ordered it uh, it's like a one of those kids kind of like stem learning tool things but you know i'm an adult i'm learning stuff so that's pretty pretty cool. awesome <laughs> yeah uh i want to bring it back into the guitar realm now what is the hardest thing 
and the easiest thing about guitar? <laughs> the e- well, sometimes the easiest things are the hardest things, like plugging it in and you know, <laughs> turning it on and being like, why isn't this working? <laughs> you know? yeah. It's like, I thought I did this all right. Now it's not working. Um, I think the, the easiest thing for, at least for me is I've never not liked doing it. Mm. You know, I've always mm. just liked doing it. And, and so that's easy. Even if I, you know, if I play for five minutes, it's like, that was cool. That was a positive five minutes, right? That's all I have. You know, um, the hardest thing I think is, I mean, well, when you decide to turn it into a job, it becomes kind of hard, Yeah, <laughs> the job part of it, you know, but, um, I don't know. I think even, even when you're, even when, if you do have, you know, roadblocks and limitations, like there is joy in trying to break down those. Like right now I'm learning, uh, some music for a recording session next week. And it's like pretty hard fusion stuff, but I'm kind of like, I'm like, all right, I got you. You know, I got, you, 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 you set little goals for yourself to where you can, you know, achieve them and it keeps things interesting and you keep the passion about it, you know, like overcoming obstacles on the instrument. What, what are some, uh, some ways that you get over those roadblocks that literally everybody hits? You know, you kind of well, hit a plateau or whatever. What are you doing? Yeah, you know, it's funny because I just said, like, even if I play for five minutes, it's fun. Sometimes I just don't play at all. Mm. You know, I find that I find that the joy, you know, like letting go of it for a little while is like kind of OK, because um, it'll always be there. You'll always have fun when you pick it up again. But like, you know, it's like you maybe you can have too much of a good thing sometimes. And yeah, uh, I think for me, so if I am feeling like I'm in a rut or something. Yeah. Maybe I just won't play or I'll just listen to stuff. Just listen to music, listen to music that I haven't listened to in a long time. You know, some stuff from my childhood that was exciting to me. Go back and get inspiration all over again, or just not even listen to music. Mm -hmm. You know, um, it's okay to like remove yourself from it sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes that can, I don't know if you have this same thing, but like I'll sometimes feel guilty if I'm not working. I'm sort of like a workaholic, but sure, I'll be that. I'll be like, shit. I should be, I should be working on something, but you're just not inspired at all, and that frustration can happen. I guess when you turn it into a career, like you said. So, um, yeah, it is a it's, well. Yeah, I mean, it, it. You know, it's it's it's, yeah. Doing music for a living is kind of a twenty four or seven job because there's always kind of that (laughs) fear of like well if i don't do it you know i I won't be able to do it or someone else will do it or Mm -hmm. uh you know i no one will know who i am or whatever it is you know with those little little artistic struggles that we all go through so i can see where that can cause especially if you know if you're if you are used to working all the time um because you feel like you have to kind of keep feeding the beast and maintaining momentum you know otherwise you know like you won't be relevant or something right (laughs) yeah it's weird. Yeah. Cause it's like, it's, you know, it's not like you have a normal thing that you go to every day from nine to five or something. And then you get paid vacation and a retirement plan. <laughs> yeah. You just crawl to your studio and you're like, what's going to happen now? <laughs> <laughs> what does my calendar that, look like? That's, not for, look that's like. for my future self to decide <laughs> right yeah, now. Right. I don't necessarily have to worry. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I want to uh, loop in as we wind down here. I want to loop in your guitar supervillain alter ego, Doctor Doom. Or okay, Terminator. I'm stoked about this guy now. Okay, so right. uh, I have w- one final question for you, Mark. Okay, and this is going to be right, right in my wheelhouse of weird questions that make your head hurt. But I think right. you're you're accustomed to these now. Okay, what do you believe about guitar that most guitar players would think is crazy? This could be a hard truth guitar players need to hear or something you know that others don't or maybe a misconception about the instrument or whatever you want. What do you believe about guitar that others may not? Hmm. You're probably too loud. Oh! <laughs> From the top rope. Turn it Whoops. down. <laughs> 
I don't know, man. How I, did you come to this revelation? The other night, I real I know. I'm serious. Like we were playing a gig, and <laughs> around the third or fourth song, I was like, "Why do I feel like I'm on top of the beat? Oh, because I'm way louder than like I need to turn down. I need to sit in the pocket a little bit better." And so I did. And then I was like, "All right, this feels a little bit better." So if you feel like you're loud, you're you're probably too loud. And that will help. I know you that's if you such a crazy down. thing to say because I have. I mean, this amp that I can't tell you about is like the loudest amp in the world. Oh, and okay. so you got to be careful with it, you know. But L- little breadcrumbs here, okay. Very loud uh, but, amp that Mark can't say anything about. Right, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I'm considered a loud guitar player or or not. But um, I feel like if I am not above and beyond the rest of the musicians in the mix like my time feels like way better if i can just kind of sit in a nice even place with everybody that's good insight and it makes sense i've never even thought about that but yeah turning down you can hear everybody around you wow what a revelation (laughs) well yeah i mean but (laughs) yeah and of course i i like i said the other night i made that mistake for about half the gig and i was like why do i not feel oh that's cuz yeah all right hey turns out have you ever done the move where like the the sound guy gets everybody's levels and then you turn around and go eh. oh sure yeah we call that sandbagging <laughs> or or if he asks you to turn down and you just nudge the treble knob a little bit right or you just don't turn it you just kind of air turn you know air turn like it's like air guitar but air knob turning (laughs) yeah yeah but i don't know sometimes i complain about not being able to be loud enough in some gigs but i don't know it's a constant struggle i'm still learning how to live with myself at that point in my life (laughs) yeah it's we all we all deal with our our personal struggles and yeah that's a good one to have we just dealt with them in front of a bunch of people on the internet you know that's so no big deal no, no big deal. No judgment. <laughs> leave it. Leave a note in the comments what you really think about it. Right. We'll we'll definitely read them. Yeah, of course. <laughs> well, Mark, uh, as we wind down here, I'd like to okay. thank you for your time, uh, taking the time to be on Guitar Villains. It's been a great honor and privilege to chat with you today. And ah, my pleasure, dude. This was fun. Yeah, Thanks for having me on. I'll look forward to what treacherous plots you devise next in your musical endeavors. Well, I might have to go get a Dr. Doom outfit or something. I think that might be the the next step here. It'll increase so. your power by 10%. I can't, only 10%? <laughs> I want my money back. <laughs> At least 12 or 13%. Yeah.